And we are now live once again for the smooth sounds of the trio themselves, the magic, the mighty, and the super tall. We've got JP, we've got Mike, and we've got Nate. And it is time for VTSR. That's right, Veterans Transitional Support Reconnaissance Show. We have stumbled our way through the future, and now we're looking back to pass it to you. So we're going to let JP take it away. Hey, welcome everyone to Veteran Transition Support Recon Show, and this is el show de los veteranos de transición. Oh, I, I was just trying to, you know, do like Spanish. Goal! <laughs> I was trying to sound like Telemundo there, but it just didn't work out well. <laughs> it didn't work out I well. Close. <laughs> hey, Mike, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How y'all doing? Doing good. Uh, last time I saw you was a while back. What, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. <laughs> about uh, yeah. How about you, Nate? How you? How you? How you? How you been doing, bro? I've been good. I uh, tore my hamstrings, so I didn't make it to your walk. But uh, I'm uh, I'm doing much better these days. It was great, both of them at the same time. I did win the race, by the way. I did win, but I paid the price. Other than that, I'm doing great. Cool. Beard's growing lovely. I'm, uh, you know, still over six feet tall. Nothing else has changed. Yeah, we we had about 15 other people that, you know, hurt their hamstring or didn't have babysitting, so they couldn't make it to the walk. And I, I'm just saying, I have video proof. I, I have video proof. I, I'm just saying, and photos. I'm just saying, bro. There was all kind of people hitting us on social media, going like. I'm going to walk with you. I wish I knew the route. I'm like, the route is on the website, man. Actually, you can track us live. Cricket, 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 cricket. Uh, I got to wash the dishes. <laughs> yeah, I got to wash the dishes, you know, something like that. Uh, okay, okay. You're, I, I'm actually looking. I'm actually looking at some, uh, like a very hairy leg right now. <laughs> But no, so no, a lot of people say that they were going to do it and you're going to show up, even, yeah. if it's, even if it's just for one day. And we're like, bro, like, show up, join us. And nobody did, bro. The, actually, no, my bad. There was day one, there was a few uh, kids from uh, 82nd. And I say kids because okay. they're, they're young. Uh, but, uh, and you're old. you know, E5s, you know, uh, they showed up and those guys rocked the entire first leg, which was 26 miles, entire day. Uh, and then one of them uh, showed up the next day and did it again. And he even showed up the third day and did it again, even though that at that point I was impressed he showed up because the, the day before, bro, I, I thought he weren't going to be able to get out of bed. But the funny thing is it was a Sunday. So his wife wanted to rock with us. That was her day off. So she wanted to come and rock. So he said he got up. He started like, oh, oh, moving to the bathroom, you know. He went peeing. He got back and he said, baby, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go out there because my legs are hurting. And he said that she shook his, shook his, his body around and went like, so Suck it how up. much are they really hurting? Because I want to go rock too. And he was like, oh, slap. And of course, I told him, you know what she really said? What she really said was like, quit being a little pussy. Get yeah. the fuck out of there. We're going to go rocking again. <laughs> but anyways, no, he, he just showed she, up. She, 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 she was like, I thought you were 82nd. What's up? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but no, but he did show up. I got to give it to him. He showed up all three days. And then uh, he promised us, hey, I'll be there uh, on the last day. And no shit, early in the morning, 
he was there on the last day to do the last one. So, uh, and other than that, some someone that you know online said, "Hey, where are you guys at? I would like to know the route. If you come by my town, I'll rock with you." Out of all, all of those, only one person did it, and that was a, a paramedic from uh, New York uh, Fire Department, and he actually just drove from New York to Richlands. Uh, Rick, Rick, if you're listening, thank you. He he drove from New York to Richlands because he lives in Richlands, but. Uh, so he lives New York and Richlands, you know, two weeks there, two weeks there. And the very next day, he did 22 miles with us. He was hurting, but he didn't stop. He didn't stop. Uh, so, yeah, it was fun, man. Uh, and we ended up doing 227 miles, uh, not because we wanted to. Let's just say that it was a wrong turn. Uh, <laughs> compass. Trust the compass. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but uh, man, it, it was amazing, man. We we had a lot of support from all fire departments. And by the way, for the people that don't know, we're talking about the Let's Walk It Out 222 Mile Rock March. Uh, but we had a lot of support from the fire departments, sheriff departments, all the towns. Man, it was just so freaking amazing, man. It was awesome. One of our one of one of our volunteers almost get uh get jacked up by the MPs, <laughs> Camila June. <laughs> so no, bro. So we're walking along the fence. And that's when we're leaving Camden June. That was uh, day six. We're walking along the fence where the trail is so we can get, you know, on the on the highway. So we, we go along the, the trail, and he goes around and stops in the highway, right in front of the fence, stops in the highway, because he's waiting for us to drive by, uh, to walk by and take pictures. So we see him. We're like, hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for supporting us. And we kept going. And about, I want to say about 100 meters in front of him, we look at the road, and we see a freaking MP do a U-turn. And we're like, at first we were like, is he going to Sam? Maybe. And we look back and then we see two more sheriff departments just do a UE as well. We're like, oh yeah, it's going to Sam. When you see a brown guy over there taking pictures, you know they're going to Sam. So anyways, we turn around and it's like, hey man, let's make sure that we can tell the MPs what he's doing, you know, that way he don't get in trouble. So we go back and as we're getting close to him. I guess he had already talked to the MPs and the MPs go like, you're good. Keep going, guys. You're good. Keep going, guys. Thank you. So then later on, he called us. He's like, yeah, I guess somebody reported uh, a weird vato taking pictures of the fence. <laughs> yeah, that, hey, hey, that, that's part of the relocation program going on by our current administration. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, it was, uh, we were laughing. We're like, bro, he was about to get rolled up. It's, it's like, <laughs> luckily, one of the MPs, when we'll he tried to explain... Oh, yeah. Luckily, one of the MPs, when he was trying to explain what he was doing and he told him who we were, he goes like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they were on the news last night. Uh, they were all talking about that they were going to be through here. So, like, we, we knew. So, it's so cool. No no problems. It's just somebody reported you. So, we, ha we had to come and check it out. And, like, oh, like, man, that was freaking hilarious. <laughs> but, anyways, guys, we got uh, tonight, we got, uh, an, of course, a new guest. Uh, his name is Chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this in the Canadian, Chamberlis, or in English, Chamberls, right? Uh, Not quite, but I think close. that was Puerto Rican. Okay, yeah. okay. how how you say your last name, Chance? Burles. Like saying yeah. barrels without the A. Oh, man, Burles. you're way off. I was, yeah. Uh, we just sounded, keep, sounded better, though. Oh, we're man. just going to say Burles. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> 
You can call me Chance. You can call me Burley. You can call me Hey Fucker, whatever it is. We're going to call you Chance. Down. How about that, Chance? Hey, uh, he's a Canadian uh, Forces veteran, combat engineer. He served eight years and retired as a master corporal. And he's also uh, doing other stuff. He got his own podcast and things. So we're going to let him talk about it. Welcome to this show, Chance. Right. Thanks very much for having me, man. I appreciate it. I could probably talk for a while, but I'll let you guys do a little bit more. Is that a squirrel? You're talking to? Yeah, it's actually a beard extension. So, like, I can, when I get there, I have my beard and I can just still talk into the mic and still have the beard. So, yeah. That is so. Hey, Chanson, tell us about you, man. Everything we want to know. Like, when you were a little kid, did you like to, to wear girl, girls' clothes? All that stuff, man. Tell us about it. I mean, sometimes. Who doesn't, right? Like, <laughs> Those those skirts are nice and airy. It lets stuff in. No. Honestly, uh, I grew up in southern Alberta. Uh, my family, uh, on the, my dad's side of the family, own a ranch that's been in the family since 1900. So I spent a lot of time out there working cattle, riding around on horses, ATVs, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but I also uh, I was living with my mom at the time. My mom and dad split up. So I was all over southern Alberta, Lethbridge, Calgary, all these places for that most people don't know about and uh and so yeah I, I grew up kind of a poor kid i always wanted to be in the army always always when i was like i got a photo of me when i was four wearing an od sweater with the stenciled army across the front and just like yeah had a had a tree house at one point that i used to just stand sentry on because i thought it was cool until i actually had to stand sentry for a while <laughs> and i was like oh that's so cringe um but uh, did the normal everyday stuff, did sports, played games, you know, uh, grew up all over the place. And then when I was 21, I think I was a bit of a stoner. This was back in 2000 and got to do the math. Oh, man, it was a while ago. Uh, it would have been 02. Couldn't tell. So like um, just after 9-11 uh, and... Uh, that had that had all happened and then i had lost a kind of a crappy job and i was talking to my brother who was in south korea at the time teaching english and i was like yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do maybe i should just find something else and he was like didn't you want to be in the army like your whole life and i was like well yeah kind of he's like well what the hell are you waiting for and i was like hmm. nothing i guess really He's like, well, yeah, like, get the fuck on it. I was like, okay. So I went down the next day to the recruiters, started that whole process. And then uh, it, there's a, a kind of a sad story with this. So, you know, when you go, when you first go into the recruiters and they give you a substance use form, right? At least in the Canadian military, they do. It's like, please list off anything you've done. So yeah, like it starts off with alcohol, tobacco, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I can see Nate giggling <laughs> in the background. <laughs> um most people just like scratch it off They're like nope nope no nope, haven't done anything because they don't check me being me i was like well they might and if they do and i lied on the sheet oh man that's not cool so i like sat there you asked them for, for three more pieces of paper it was bad it was bad um but actually the thing that caught me was mushrooms so i had done some at some point i couldn't remember when so it was just like at, I was like 18 months, sure, year and a half. That that's long enough ago. Wrote it down, and they're like, uh, "Unfortunately, you have to have three years outside of psychedelics before you can join the military." And I was like, "Let me change my answer." 
Yeah. <laughs> Can I just like do a new one for you real quick? Go to another recruiting station and do it over. <sighs> yeah. There was only the one in Calgary. So yeah. Yeah. You only get the one per city. And uh, you, so, you should have told him uh, I did say I don't remember when I did it. Uh, so I, maybe I, it was five years ago. I, I did try. I really did. They, uh, but it was on the paper. It becomes protected, whatever, right? And so they're like, "Fine, you got to come back in eighteen months." And I was like, "You know what? I will be here in eighteen months." Um, the good thing was it gave me time to train. Like I wasn't super fit. I couldn't ruck a ton. I'd never really done it, so. I started rucking a bit more and I started running more and I just try and get myself into better shape for basic. So that was a bonus. And then, uh, showed up 18 months later threw my package down. I was like, yeah, I'm here. I told you I was going to be here. And they were all like, I don't know who you are. And <laughs> this is going a bit aggressive. And I was like, Oh, right. Cause like they've been posted in and out. There was a whole new crew there. Totally different people. Uh, so yeah, the, I finally got in, uh, December of Oh five did my, I got the uh, kind of the dream too of combat arms. I did my basic at the beginning of 06. I did my soldier qualification right after that, which is all the army, like AIT. Uh, and then um, we did threes course, which again, it was bang, bang, bang. I was done by October of 06. Got to my unit near the, near the end of October 06. Started work up for Afghanistan in 07. Did work up all year, left for Afghanistan in 08. So it was like the dream. There was no big gaps in between. And then, uh, yeah, did eight month tour of Afghanistan. Uh, went and was I... going to go back for a second one. And then my name mysteriously got taken off the list because the Sergeant Major and I had a bit of an issue. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. He and I had an issue. My name all of a sudden's off tour. What you else? walk on the grass, didn't you? Just tell me the <laughs> truth. You walk on the grass. Uh, I, I called him out in front of the entire squadron for wanting to be part of an OC's hour. And uh, it didn't turn out very well for me. So how, so, was, uh, how was your experience in Afghanistan? What, what were you at while you were over there? In what, you know, what area? Uh, I was in Kandahar province, Panjway district, mostly kind of all over the place. Being an engineer in 08 was... Uh, interesting because at that point, so after Opmedusa in 06, when there was a lot of heavy fighting, um, 07 kind of was the buffer zone between the, the straight up fighting. And then in 08, we were doing a lot of basically like projects. So we had uh, Root Fosters we were building, which eventually became Root Hyena. Um, we had Bob's being built. We had little outposts being built constantly. So we were rolling all the time and uh we had been made a like the engineers as a whole we had been made a uh, battle group asset so no one left anywhere on any patrol unless they had engineer support and so we were getting pushed out to sections every once in a while for foot patrols we were sitting on qrf constantly for any road move we were driving from one fob to the other just looking for fights sometimes it was uh it was challenging it was busy 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 so i spent five months out of the eight that I was there on QRF most of the time was just on meeting people on their worst day possible. It was lots of fun for me, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but we, yeah, we did some uh, dismounted uh, at, patrols. At least you weren't doing like route clearance. Uh, I did that for a little bit too. <laughs> That's <laughs> balls. That is balls. Um, I'm just going to drive out here and wait to get blown up. No big deal. 
Damn. Just wait to get blown up. Yeah, it's we actually. It's funny. My first day in root clearance, uh, I was only with them to fill a spot for like five days. First day, first drive, boom! Vehicle in front of me gets hit, and I was like, "I thought you're like, <laughs> yeah." You know, it's it's like it's like roulette, you know, gambling. It's you know. it really is. And in '08, there were just they were trying to take out our tanks, so there were just massive IEDs. We were finding. 60 liters of HME buried in the ground. We were finding, um, you know, three or four of those big cooking pots tucked in underneath the ground. Like it was just huge, huge pieces of explosions. And then I got to do, I think the highlight I had was I got to do 1.2 tons of ordnance was the big one we got to blow. And that wasn't Not even bad. the biggest one on tour, let alone. <laughs> like we were just blowing shit up left, right, and center. Um, Not bad. Yeah, it was, uh, we did, oh, Talking about explosives, so you're going to get me started. I'm getting excited. Oh, here. shit. Here we go. Yeah, it's come. Here it comes. So I have this one story that I have to tell everyone, and it is hilarious. Um, no shit. There my, it was. Me and the C4. There, exactly. There I was. We were surrounded by green berets. It was amazing. No. <laughs> Pressure uh, It does involve green berets, which is kind of awesome. But So I had been in country for about two weeks at that point. I had just gotten out there. I still had my first sunburn. Like, it was bad. <laughs> And uh, the Green Braves were driving around up north and they were like, we've run out of vehicles. We need help. So being the first major operation of the battle group, the commander was like, bring everybody. So it was like a 34 vehicle convoy, like just massive. We had the entire squadron of tanks. We had at least the one company of infantry. Like it was just huge. And because we're new, we're patrolling basically the whole way. Like the engineers are out front doing a VPS. Oh, there's a there's a culvert. There's uh, an irrigation channel. There's a blind corner. There's a and it was just constant. We rarely actually got back in the vehicle, so it's just like VPS to a VPS to a VPS to a VPS, and we're like walking the whole way. Um, Sounds like let's walk it out. <laughs> uh, so we get about. I can't even remember how long it took us to get there, but. Dang, dude. Uh, on the way, the infantry commander says, you guys are clearing too slow. Get out of the way. And we're like, all on you, man. <laughs> yeah, Go no for shit. it. Like, <laughs> it's all yours. Go ahead. So he sends an infantry section over. They check a culvert. They're like, yep, all good. First tank goes, no big deal. Second tank goes. They turn around. They're like, why are there wires sticking out of the ground? And they're like, engineers up. So we go rolling over there. We're like, hey, guys, what's happening? And they're like, yeah, so there's wires sticking out of the ground. And we check it out, and it turns out to be a uh, big, uh, I think it was a 40, can't remember if it was a 40 or 60 liter HME charge right Dang. in the middle of the road, set on a pressure plate that the tanks had actually bridged because they were looking for Humvees, and the tracks had cut the wire as they were going. Oh, wow. Just like, luckily, lucky, lucky, lucky. And that's what stuck up. And the engineers were the first wheel vehicle, so we would have hit that right off that. Anyway, okay, so you okay, see, for, the, okay, you gotta take the infantry. So for our, <laughs> for our American listeners, how many pounds is that? Uh, two point two pounds per kilogram, so sixty. That's a hundred and thirty ish. I'm impressed. Three hundred forty pounds somewhere in there. It's wow. a lot. That's quick mass, but yeah, it was a big charge. And uh, so we brought EOD up. They dealt with it. They did all their fancy stuff, and we kept rolling. Wow. We we get to the uh, the Green Braves, 
and we're like, so, hey, what's going on? What do you got left? And they, from what they told us, they would drive doing their patrol. They would, one of their vehicles would get blown up. They would crossload all their dudes, send anybody that was injured out, destroy the vehicle and keep going. And they had actually just run out of vehicles. They'd hit so many IEDs oh, one way. So this what, was their last vehicle. What, and they were like, what team was that? That didn't. <laughs> uh not sure who, exactly who it was but we got there and it, we brought a big flat deck truck to to bring it with us because we we're like yeah sure whatever let's bring that truck with us and uh, i was looking at we loaded the back end of this rg31 loaded the back end of the truck and we started putting parts on and i was looking at the front end the vehicle had been cut in half right at the firewall and uh so it was just basically an engine block and the front tires sitting on one side and there was the back, like the actual cabin and everything on the back. That got loaded up. All the parts get loaded up. And I'm looking at this engine block going, I don't think that's going to fit. I'm looking at my thing, looking at, looking at the block. And I see the infantry company commander talking to the uh, the Green Braves and calling over my lieutenant. And the lieutenant goes running over and I'm like, oh, ooh, I think we're going to get to do something here. And I'm like already inside my truck grabbing the crate of c4 like dee, 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 dee. and my sergeant looks at me and he's like you guys got 15 minutes go and we're like <laughs> madly frapping charges and stuff and stuff and uh one of my favorite memories that whole time was i had the oil pan of the of the engine i was both my feet up were on the engine block and i was heaving this oil pan open my buddy was trying to stuff a nine block charge into the oil pan and he's like slamming on it with his fist, trying to get it in there. And I'm <laughs> peeling this back in the, uh, for those that don't know, it takes friction and heat. Yeah. 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 People, will <laughs> yeah. Be like, people will be like, I call bullshit on that. You didn't blow <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> no, the C4 is pretty stable. We're good. So he's, he's hammering yeah. on that thing and I'm peeling this away. And, uh, this Green Beret first sergeant comes around the corner and just like sees us and goes, y'all motherfuckers are crazy. And we were like, hmm? Mm hmm? Mm hmm? <laughs> and he was just, we went back to it and he was like backed away slowly. And he fucked off. But yeah, we ended up putting like a crate and crate plus. So like maybe 50 some odd blocks on that engine block. Cause we were all like new and excited. Right. And we're like, yeah, let's go uh, blow some shit up. Does that pee for plenty? Yep. And then yep. the, yeah, so we loaded our charges and left and we left it to the rear section to detonate it. And they came up and put more on it and they detonated afterwards. There was not much left of that engine. Board at the end of it. Uh, but yeah, so the, I mean, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying that when you were talking about the infantry clearing, one of the memories I got from Afghanistan was a uh, cans off, you know, mm. your, your, your cool special forces guys. Uh, they were going down the desert and they hit a landmine and I, a lot of the guys got fucked up. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyways, like two days later, they're coming by and they're like, Oh, we, we, we're going that way. And they take the very same route in the middle of the desert. And I, and I was like, bro, I look at one of them. I'm like, are you guys going to go the same way? And he goes like, yeah, we already cleared it two days ago. <laughs> and, and, and I go like, that was only one mine that you hit. There's still more out there. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, we cleared two days ago. And they just went right through it. No, yeah, <laughs> two days ago. That's pretty yeah. ballsy. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, bro? SF guys have this weird mentality, man. I We rolled up next to uh, a bunch of SAS dudes, like right outside the gate of, um, uh, of CAF. And 
they were just sitting in a Land Rover. No doors, no roof, no armor, just hanging out. It's like a nest of machine guns, right? But And they're like, oh, yeah, no bigs. I'm like, so what happens if you get blown up? And they're like, well, then um, Tim goes we'll that way, and I go this <laughs> way, and we go over there, and just like, do we get launched? And they're like, that sounds like the safest possible thing you could do. <laughs> Give her. Good planning, uh, good planning. Yeah, but, hey, you know, we all got our... We all got our jobs. We all got our, you know, I guess SOPs. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> be, them. you gotta be a little bit sick to do what we do, though. Just a little bit, yeah. It's always funny when you talk to the different trades because every one of us look at each other like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> Seriously, what's wrong with you? And you're like, "What? I got no problems." Uh, but yeah, so the rest of the tour, a lot of a uh, lot of patrolling, a lot of. Um, driving around, looking for IEDs, walk through a couple of minefields, you know, standard stuff for Afghanistan. It's most, yeah, uh, most of the guys that have been there, like it's pretty much the, uh, the scenario. There's not a huge deviation from. So, so a normal day. Every yeah. day is a normal day. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I mean, I was in Massengar for most of the tour too. So we were getting rocketed pretty much every night. Right. And you're kind of like, you can eventually get used to that too. You know what? Like, ah, okay, cool. Yeah. You know yeah. what? People pay to go to Disney to see fireworks, bro. You got them for free. That's true. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank, thank your government. <laughs> I'm just Best saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, it's funny. I brought my, uh, I had, I had a little field TV. It was like a little 19 inch TV. I bought it at Walmart once and I brought it to Afghanistan with me in my mob box with my xbox so we were playing Can't video games one day small. <laughs> uh we were playing video games one day and a rocket came in and we were both just like me and my buddy were like no i'm not whatever you just like or put your armor on put your helmet on you're like cool let's give her <laughs> he's like he's like that's pretty much it i mean really it's, he's like was that here time after time. was that here was that the Call of Duty? I don't know because we got on surround sound, so I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah, exactly. on right now. Yeah, was that incoming, outgoing? Is that just the game? I nah. Throw your armor on just to be sure. Call of Duty. Keep moving. Damn it! I got to respawn now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it, it, it was it was an interesting tour. It was hard. We had uh, we lost some uh, we lost some good dudes. We lost some hard chargers. It is that's war. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's challenging. But now I'm, now I'm just hanging out, being a dude, helping others. You know, just like you guys. I uh, I realized after that tour that there wasn't a lot of stuff out there for anybody that got back. Right? It was you either went and talked to the the mental health guys, which would basically end your career at that point in time, or you didn't. And you just carried on. So I carried on. Um, eventually, got promoted. Got to. Uh, became a master corporal, got posted to a school, started teaching, which I had so much fun with. I loved, really, really enjoyed teaching and being able to pass on the information and being able to, you know, give to that next generation. And uh, I had about two months left in my contract at the end of eight years. And I was kind of wondering what was going to happen next. Like I, I hadn't been told what to do next, where to go, who to talk to anything. So I went to my Adge's office and I was like, Hey, sir, I got two months left in my contract. Is there something that I need to be doing? Like, do I just 
grab my stuff and leave on the day or like hand it in. I don't know what's going on. And he's like, oh, shit, uh, come back tomorrow. So I showed up the next day and he was like, here's a 17 year contract. You want to stay in? <laughs> I was like, no, no. Like I, I just told you I wanted to get out. And he's like, we have you loaded on your sergeant's course. You're already on loaded. You have your orders. You're going to be leaving in the spring. And I was like, let me, let me think on that for a hard second. Fuck no, no, <laughs> no. And the, uh, the engineer sergeant's course for the, for Canada is in New Brunswick. So it's on the East coast in basically a swamp called Gagetown. It is one of the, I don't know. Is it still the largest? training yes it is it is still the largest and it's the only place where there's swamps on the sides of fucking hills yes that is 100 percent true okay i taught there for three years in the school of infantry you made a smart decision my friend yeah smart yeah so six months in gagetown was not very you know instilling of wanting me to stay in the military uh so i got out did uh got diagnosed with ptsd about uh about a year before i got out and been working on ptsd depression all that good stuff ever since so i got two awesome little boys right now that are almost nine and almost five they're just this summer they turn nine and five so respectively there's there's those mushrooms kicking in again yeah there you go and uh got a beautiful wife and she helps me every day. And now I, you know, I got my podcast. I got, well, I got a couple of podcasts and, uh, I'm also one of the national directors for the Canadian walk for veterans, as well as, um, you know, helping boys out when they need it, giving people calls, you so, know, buddy checks, uh, all that kind of stuff. Before we get into the podcast and national, uh, walk for veterans, uh, how was, uh, you know, you, you said that you got diagnosed with PTSD and all that. So when you transition, how, how hard was that for you in the, in the sense of finding help or even adjusting to, Oh shit, I'm not blowing shit up anymore. Uh, it was quite the challenge I had at the time. My first son was five months old and I was a, um, army master corporal instructor. Right. So I was used to, when I said, go over there, stop doing that, whatever. Right. The, the, the kid, whatever they, they would stop doing whatever I said, and they would do whatever I said. Five-month-old baby does not listen to the knife hand. They don't know what it is. <laughs> and when, you know, it, it's crying and you're like, shut up! And they're like, ah! doesn't really help. Uh, so that was a huge transition for me. Um, I was very lucky when I left Meaford, um, where I was last posted, there was one Veterans Affairs representative, and I was the only person releasing at that time. So I had one-on-one with the VA right off the bat. So that last two months, they were just like appointment, 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 paperwork, 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 paperwork. And I just basically applied for everything. And so when I got home uh, after that, that period, I was pretty well taken care of. I immediately went on to the rehab program. So I had my finances were at least covered. Um, my schooling was covered. All my therapy was covered. All that other stuff was covered. So that was a big weight off my shoulder, not having to worry about the financial side of it. That was a huge help. And then, um, unfortunately I went to the OSI clinic here at Edmonton and yeah, it went very bad from there. So I initially went there because that's where the army told me to go. They're like, oh yeah, 
this is the VA recommended spot. It's got the doctors you need. You should definitely talk to these guys. So I went there for about a year. That made everything worse. And uh, the doc that I, I recognized after about six months that the doctor never could remember my son's name. But I, I saw him every week. So, and I talked about my son every week. <laughs> and so for six months, he could not remember my son's name. And I was like, really? Like, are you not paying attention at all? And it always seemed like he was more concerned with, I don't know, just following the steps of, you know, like you have to do this and then you have to do that and then you have to do that and then everything will be fine. Yeah. The OSI clinic is trash. I, I had a similar situation where I went to mine for the first couple of meetings and boys, what they do is they give you a stack of questionnaires and then you just start going through the questionnaires and the first one says, how do you feel? And you're like, oh, it's the beginning of the day. I'm, I'm not pissed off because I've just started this stack of questionnaires. So I'm okay. And as you get to the very bottom of it and you've gone four hours of answering multiple guest questions about your feelings and your thoughts and all this crap that's so repetitive, you are so angry. You want to pick the table up and throw it through the wall. And the lady comes in and goes, well, why are you upset? And I'm like, because I just used bubbles to explain my feelings and thoughts and it doesn't make sense. And she goes, well... It says here that you feel fine. And I'm like, four hours ago, I felt fine. And then they're like, well, I think you're just upset because you had to do questionnaires and you don't like paperwork. And I'm like, no shit, I don't like paperwork. I can't focus on this shit. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, OSI, trash. Yeah, that wasn't, uh, it wasn't great. And I was just, I was going to see this guy because that's what I was told to go do. So I was doing it. And then I talked to a buddy of mine who had been out for a couple of years. And I was like, man, I'm having a lot of trouble with this doc. And it just seems to be making me worse. I'm not getting any better. And he was like, you know, you can see whoever you want, right? <laughs> Wait, what? I can just like, like that doctor is like, as long as they're Blue Cross covered. I was like, sweet. So I like it, immediately. Go ahead, Nate. It's like. It's like having that moment of power when you, you've talked to other vets too, where, where they realize they can fire them. There's, you don't have to be the good soldier anymore and follow along. You're allowed to say you're fired, you're fired and fuck you. Yeah. And it's like grabbing the, the sword of gray skull or the, the sword of omens and going, I have the power finally. Like you don't realize that empowerment. Yeah. Once it happens though, it's oh, like yeah. touching into the force. Yeah. And even then, as soon as that happened, I was like, wait, so I can tell the VA that I don't want to do this shit anymore. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you can. I was like, fuck yeah. All right. So whenever they'd be like, oh, well, we schedule an appointment for you on this day. I'm like, that doesn't work. This is when it'll work. And they're like, oh, okay, no problem. But previous, I would just have gone with it and tried to make it work, right? Um, so yeah, very empowering for sure. And then, so I started looking for uh, trauma specialists, people that actually know what the fuck they're talking about. And I found one that did equine therapy. And growing up around horses, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I started working with her and I've been working with her for the last six, six and a half years, getting better, working horses, doing all that stuff. Um, the rest of the transition was interesting too, because I went to school right away thinking that, well, I have to get a job. So I, I got like, I'm just going to go back to school and I was doing equine therapy. So I'm like, man, equine therapy is awesome. I should, I want to bring this to back to the boys, right? I want to get other troops in on this because it's working so well. So I went to a school, uh, for equine science just to like learn about horses and starting my own business and starting my own ranch and so on and so forth. It turned out that that actually, that program is actually more of glorified riding lessons for, uh, for country folks that just want to, you know, they like horses and don't know what to do with school. 
So it turned into, I want to kill you, I want to kill you, I want to kill you. Yeah. So now this is, again, Master of Burls, right? Instructor Burls, I'm friggin' ready to do shit, and this is, and I'm like, timings, and this is when this happens, and this has to, like, very into it, and I show up oh, my oh, first oh, day. Ease up, Corporal, ease up. Yeah. <laughs> my, my first day, I realized that there are two guys out of 45 people in this classroom, and I'm one of them. The other kid, uh, out of those 43 other people, four of those ladies were over 20. So I went into a college room surrounded by 19-year-old girls. And I, I see your faces there, but <laughs> I, A, I was married, and B, 19-year-old okay, right. girls are super freaking annoying. Yeah. Super annoying. Yes, they um, are. So like, I, I had my hearing aids at that point in time because I have some hearing loss. Imagine that. Um, yeah, combat engineer. Surprise, surprise. Right. And uh, all I could hear in the hearing aids was the fucking the phones, just constantly during class. Like, and I, and I was just sitting there like that tone, that freaking phone I'm just vibrating, right? And I'm like, I just want to yell at these people. I don't know what to do, so I take my head, my hearing aids out. Can't hear the teacher. <laughs> so now I have to move to the front of the class, and now everyone's behind me, and all I can hear is. So I had some interesting times at school. Eventually, I left there came back up, did some more schooling for a business diploma. And, uh, and then I realized that this is just not like me going to find a job, just not, not working right now. So I got, uh, just recently got approved for diminished earnings capacity. So now I'm covered till I'm 65, at least, uh, with what I, I get 90% of what I was making when I was still in. So, and you can have well. a secondary job and make yes. up to about $20,000 a year to bring you up a hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. that's, and now I, you know, I work, I, I work, um, but I, I, you know, I do a lot for the community. I just realized that, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting paid for it, which I am, I should be doing something. And, uh, the best way I can do that is to help the guys around me, the guys that are struggling, hey, the guys that are just, just stop lost. with that selfless service stuff. Will you stop? But I, I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying no one knows what it, that is. It, it's my yeah. whole being. It's it's the Canadian way. <laughs> I, I get it, man. Trust me, I get it. Yeah. Hey, Chan. No, so it, so that brings us to the Canadian Walk for Veterans. Yeah. <clears throat> what is yeah. that all about? Canadians walking, I guess. Yeah, with with veterans, even. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wow. know, right? <laughs> um. So it got started. Uh, back in 2017. So we had a big court case up here for many years called the Equitas um, case. And it was veterans bringing the government to court over compensation that had changed while we were in Afghanistan. So a little bit of backstory there. Back in 06, we used to have something called the uh, the Veterans Charter or the Veterans Act. I can't remember, the Veterans Act, yeah. And uh, that had a very broad coverage as to what they would cover from injuries and so on and so forth. And then mid-06, during Op Medusa, the, uh, the government decided that they were going to change that and added something called the New Veterans Charter, which changed um, full pensions for injury into payouts. And that was it. So you'd have yes, somebody, one-time payouts. Yeah, so you'd have somebody like a buddy of mine uh, lost both his legs, gets like 300-some-odd grand, and they're like, have fun. And like, that's about it. And so the, the 
a bunch of dudes went and said, fuck that noise. We're not doing this. So they went, took the government to court. And that lasted all the way up until 2018 when the Supreme Court of Canada said, we're just not going to hear your appeal. Peace out. And yeah. so, yeah, it was a, a big issue. But in 2017, the Canadian Walk of Veterans started by as a fundraiser walk for the Equitas group, the guys that were actually doing the court case. And they had like 300 people show up in Burnaby, BC and just walk together with a bunch of vets and had a really great time. Um, and the organizers at the time were like, man, this is fucking awesome. We should get more people involved. We should extend this across to the rest of the, the nation and make this an actual event. And so they went through uh, the areas and one of the guys came to Edmonton. He was like, hey, we need volunteers to get this walk started. So I volunteered as the PR guy. I was going to be the behind the camera, social media. I'll take pictures for you guys and I'll post shit and I'll be like, good job. Uh, realized very early that the, the guys that I was working with didn't have a whole lot of experience in event management. And so I was offering up some of my experience when I was a kid doing a lot of volunteering. And, and one of the, the leader was like, you know, you seem to know more than I do. Do you want to just like take over? <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be in charge. And I was like, sure, sure. So I took over the local Edmonton walk. Uh, we had a, we had a blast. We saw 200, no, sorry, 125 people on the first walk in Edmonton. We saw over 700 people across Canada in seven different cities um, come out for the walk. We had, you know, we raised a bunch of money and then we just donated it because we only need so much to kind of maintain the, um, you know, behind the house stuff, the website and all that uh, administrative stuff. But the rest of it, we were just like, cool. All the money goes to these guys. And then 2018, we were like, well, why don't we expand? So we went from seven cities to 10. Then we went, we went from 10 cities to 14 and we were prepped to have 14 in 2020 and uh, COVID happened. <laughs> and so, so we, so when you, we to, you, when you said you got all those cities, uh, do you do it in separate dates or, or you, uh, you coordinate to do it all, all cities in the same day? Yeah, we coordinated to get all cities in the same date. Um, we tried on the first year with the seven cities to try to do it at the same time. But the time zone differences make that very challenging. So you're looking at, uh, I, what is it? It's like six hours from East Coast yeah. to Coast. So Nova Scotia it, starts and BC's like, no, we're still stoned. We're in bed right now. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, like this isn't happening. So, uh, yeah, we do it on the day. And over time, we've actually opened it up to the weekend. So now we always have it on the September 24, 25 weekend or whatever that weekend is, 25, 26 sometimes. But, and, that way, you know, one city can have it on the Saturday and another city can have it on Sunday. So Calgary and Edmonton are pretty close to each other, about a three hour drive between. So if you wanted to, you can do Edmonton and then drive back to Calgary and do Calgary because they're on opposite days. Or if you were, you know, in Burnaby and you can go to Vancouver, cool, go to Vancouver. If you want to go to Victoria as well, you can just jump on the ferry, bang to Victoria. So it enables a lot more leeway on when people go. And then because of COVID, we went virtual for the last two years. And uh, again, we saw we had 150 different cities represented uh, over the last just last year with um, I think it was like three or four down in the States. We had one in Australia. We had one in Holland in 2020. We like we it was, we're just expanding as we go. And this year we're, we're we just had our AGM. We're getting ready for 
we have 11 cities right now. We're probably going to be at 14 or 15 by the time uh, the walk happens where it's going to be going to be big. I'm excited. That's <laughs> awesome, bro. The, the whole point, point of it is to get people walking <clears throat> with their veterans, right? Because so many people up in here, here in Canada, because the military is not very prevalent in social society, they don't even realize that the guy next to them is a veteran until they see him on Remembrance Day, maybe with his medals on sometimes. So I, the big point of it was to get people walking together. And that way, you know, veterans can walk together in a very relaxed environment. We're not driving, we're not rocking, we're not trying to, you know, uh, trying to give her anything like that. It's all relaxed. It's meant to be chill and enjoyable. People can ask questions, we can share ideas. And then the actual walk sites themselves are information centers. We get local businesses and local veterans, um, charities and things like that to come out to the walk, set up booths and give information to the people that show up and be like, these things are available for you and you can, you can apply for this and you can talk to these guys and go blah, 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 blah. So that one way, of the uh, things that I've heard come up from your, your walks and it's fantastic is since these communities don't know that they have these veterans living in there until they die and it goes in the newspaper, like, Oh, you know, veteran from this or this, um, the walks, uh, JP, Mike, what's been going on is now that these guys are getting exposure, they're getting asked to come talk at the schools and do those things that wasn't happening for a long time. Right. So, that is definitely a pretty cool thing. It's bringing, bring the guys out of their shells and out of their homes and actually ingraining them and in, uh, embedding them back into the community instead of just being a watcher or a sideline guy. It's awesome. Yeah. The, the first year I had in Edmonton, we had a, a PCLI guy um, who was, he was not comfortable being in a crowd of like a hundred some odd people. Right. And he was, his back was up against a tree and his service dog beside him and his dog was like right on top of him. Uh, and I walked over and I was like, Hey man, really appreciate being here if you need anything you let me know right i'm the guy to talk to hook if you need anything and he was like no man i i really appreciate you putting this on this is the first time i've been out of my house in two years and i was like fucking outstanding like <laughs> again thank you for coming and uh but that's the the kind of mentality that we bring the neat part is every year we have a challenge coin so you actually create a collection which is kind of neat so we had our first year 2018 right here we go and cross swords we got the or that was 20 yeah 18 2019 we have the uh different level of soldiers 2020 we did uh thanks to the if i can get on the camera here boom thanks to the uh first responders that took care of us 2021 is the anniversary of liberation of holland by canadian forces um and this year being the fifth year we're gonna have we have another challenge coin set up um, it's being minted as we speak, and we're also minting another five-year commemorative three-inch, like a, a big one, to go with it. So, yeah. Nice. And then every year, you get a new one. So, nice to keep the collection going. Hey, Chance, uh, if anybody want to find information about the Canadian veteranos walking, uh, what's the website <laughs> for that? CanadianWalkForVeterans.com. Canadian. Super simple. And you guys got an Instagram page? Yep. Uh, can walk for vets. So the, with the number four, can walk number four vets. Um, for the Instagram, we have it on Twitter as well. Can walk for vets. Um, I, I don't use it much. I'm not great on Twitter, <laughs> but it's on there. Uh, and then Facebook, same thing. Um, can walk for vets or Canadian walk for veterans as well. So you can find that basically anywhere. 
Yeah, we'll we'll make sure we put it in the description of the podcast Wicked. as well. Appreciate it. That way people can find it. Yeah, it's been it's been lots of fun. Definitely a large learning experience. Um, after oh, so after the first twenty eighteen walk, um, we had a bit of a leadership vacuum, and again, somebody was like, "Oh, we're going to need somebody to be in charge," and I was like, "I guess, I guess I could I could help out until you find someone better." <laughs> and so I've been uh, me and my partner Mark have been working on it since uh, since the beginning. Then, so you found yeah. use for your knife hand again? Yes. <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh yes. it's come out very very quickly yeah especially when i need something done I'm like you there and, yeah, it, no <laughs> i keep it i keep it sharp i i literally sit at home and i'm like gotta hone that <laughs> you know work on the draws a couple days yeah that looks kind of odd but i get it yeah hey, i'm mike, an odd guy man <laughs> mike is over there going like he stole my technique <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I got a big leather belt upstairs. I'm going to shh. Hey, uh, Chance, we're, we're getting ready here to get to the end of uh, of our show here today. Roger. But uh, so uh, as you know, the, this podcast is for veterans transitioning, you know, uh, having a hard time or, you mm -hmm. know, in your case, I want to say it's probably one of the best transition cases that we heard so far, <laughs> right? Because normally everybody have a, a hard time and you – you seem like you did have a little hard time, but you on your own, you decided to start moving and, and, and trying to get things done, right? So that that's pretty good. And that's what we wish everybody could do, but not everybody got that ability to do that. So they yeah. need help. And that's what we're here for. Uh, Absolutely. Anything that you want to share with uh, with our listeners about your experiences or, or any advice you want to give to veterans out there? Uh well, there's, there's two pieces of advice I give to everybody. Uh, the first one is, or correction, three, three pieces of advice I give to everybody. First one is you are no longer a civilian. You never will be. So a lot of times in, in Canada, people say, oh, you know, I'm going to get out and be, go be a greasy civvy, or I'm going to be a civvy again, and that'll be fine. And it's like, no, you're not a civvy. You never will be. You were a civilian. You joined the military. Now you're a veteran. And your life as a veteran needs to be in that mindset. And it is a veteran life. Because that is the one thing no one can take away from you, period. You earned that title and it is yours for the rest of your life. And when you, uh, when you die and you're on your tombstone, or whatever, it'll say, you know, USMC or it'll say US Army or it'll say Canadian Forces or it'll say whatever, right? Like that is the title that you earned. So lean into it, you know, be a veteran. That's cool. That doesn't mean be a vet bro, you know, wandering around all that stuff. But I mean, if you want to for a little while, sure. Give her right. I got my DD two fourteen uh, on my back window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that that's cool. Right? I've actually seen that. Oh, nice. yeah. I I, I've seen people that have that yeah. chance. It's, it's a true thing. I've driven that's through the awesome. States. I've seen these, they have their thing. And I'm like, it's like that Canadian guys that get the sniper course. And they have the, right across the back window of their truck. But yeah, yeah. anyways, sorry. It's no worries. Weird. Yeah. So that's the first piece of advice. Uh, you will never be a civilian again. And that's cool. Like you earned it. Uh, the second piece of advice is when you get stuck, just begin. Just start something. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Just begin. If you want to, you know, I've always wanted to rock climb. Cool. Find a gym. Go start. Take one day. Right. 
see what it's like. You might like it. You might not. It's not the military mindset anymore of where like, I got to be a freaking, I'm going to be the best climber in the world. Uh, no, just try it out, man. You want to go horseback riding? Go horseback riding. You want to ride a scooter? Ride a scooter. You want to wear a kilt one day? Wear a fucking kilt. Like, just begin. And once you begin, you'll start to see a path. You'll start to go, oh, you know, I don't like that. Okay, cool. Move on. Start something else. And that's the that's the stages. That's everything you got to do is just, I, I was actually talking to my wife about this earlier today, was there's a point in everyone's life where they say, I don't like where I am. I, like, I don't like this. And then it becomes a point where it's, I can't do this anymore. Cool. Once you're there, pick something. Just start walking, right? Give her. Uh, and then that leads me to my final point, which is uh, grace, not slack. You have to give yourself the ability, the grace to try and fail and learn. But not the slack to quit. And that's my big one. Grace not slack be be okay with failing because it's going to happen and it's not a big deal every one of us has failed shit every one of us has failed miserably every one of us has fallen flat on our faces i saw a wicked video of nate the other day uh with some helmets <laughs> that was outstanding um but i mean he tried right my first podcast was not awesome but i learned and now i'm 50 some odd deep and uh having a blast doing them and, you know all it's, all it takes is you to start and then just don't give up those are my three pieces of advice <laughs> that's awesome man how about you mike you got anything you want to share uh with everybody or any questions you got for chens <laughs> nah, i don't really have anything to share i mean he hit some things on spot some things that you know just make you know, you break it down to the simplest form as, you know, as three pieces of advice, which is awesome. I just want to say about again. About? About. About? About. About. I mean, that should be about. About. Right about. It's about it. your notch hat. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I like it. How about you, I Nate? Do, I... What you got? Uh, I do have a question um, because you did touch on it, JP, where his transition was kind of smoother. Um, I know him a little bit, and I know he kind of glossed over it. And he's he's like the rest of us. We still have our ups and downs, and, you know, uh, he gives himself the grace to deal with it. Uh, one question I have with him since he's had so many shows because his personal show is Tools for the Toolbox. How many, and especially with you doing the walks and everything, what is one of the most common uh, I want to say sentences or paragraphs that people use veterans use to express themselves before they actually admit that they need help that you've come across in your situations. Um, the, I'd say the biggest one I hear all the time is uh, when you, when you ask them how they're doing, they're like, I'm good. Or, uh, Oh, sorry. The big, the biggest one live in the dream, <laughs> live in the right? dream. That, everybody says that. What the yeah. fuck does it mean? And my response to them is, well, if this is your dream, I'd hate to see your nightmare. And then that flips the switch. They're like, well, okay, it's not that bad. Or you're right. It is pretty fucked up. So that's the, yeah. the last, uh, the icebreaker. What do you yeah. use when you're talking? Uh, when I'm, when I'm, when I talk to the, talk to the boys, I usually ask them very specific questions and it, it always has to do with removal of, um, black and white. So okay. when somebody's struggling and they're like, ah, oh, this is, you know, one of the things I struggled with a lot was civilians. Um, 
my therapist would be like, I would say, fucking civilians are all just fucking so stupid. And, blah, blah, and I'd, I'd go on this rant and she'd be like, all civilians? And I'd be like, yeah, all of them. She'd be like, are you sure? Like every single one of them? I'm like, well, I mean, maybe. Like, what about your wife? She's a civilian. I'm like, well, I mean, okay. Yeah. That's the, so one. She's like, okay, so one, what about me? I'm a civilian. And I'm like, well, you're, you're okay. And you're like, what about your parents? And what you're, what she was doing was removing the black and white, the, the duality where you're, it's either good or it's not. And understanding that there is a very vast gray area. So now when I talk to boys and they're, they complain about something that is binary like that, I will immediately start engaging, try to getting a gray zone where you start asking them questions like, are you sure? A hundred percent of the time, does that always happen? Cause you hear that a lot, always or never. Right. And, and the reason I asked that question is because you and I've talked, spoke about before and I wanted it to come to this platform. Um, cause guys ask JP and Mike all the time questions and they reached outreach to people's you have to change that mindset of living the dream or it's all good. And that's a great way to ask. And if you really do want to help somebody and get there, then you have to get them to that gray area instead of mm -hmm. the black and white, especially if they're, you know, thinking about cashing out or if they're struggling and going to make some stupid decision or whatever you ask them and you make that, that gray zone for them. Yeah. It's not a safe space. It's a gray zone. So yep. there's more understanding. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. grace. That's what you're giving someone is grace, right? You're giving awesome. them Thank a you. little bit of gray area, a little bit of grace. And the, uh, uh, the big one I always end with is I'll check on, I'll check on you in the morning. Oh, that's how I, I end pretty specifically every conversation I have that is in that dark zone. I will always be like, yeah, I'll see you in the morning. I'll message you in the morning. I'll call you in the morning, whatever it is, just to make sure that they know that I will be checking on them in the morning. And then I do. Yeah. What they're really waiting for you to say is like, I'll make your breakfast in the morning. The yeah. poppy. <laughs> There's only so many people I will do that with, but Nate is definitely one of them. <laughs> ah, it's so we can rub our beards together. Like, oh my God. Stop it. <laughs> stop well, it. I actually, I do have the new beard butter in from educated beards today. Ooh, nice. And so yeah. it's all already buttered up. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, I, no, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to give myself a shameless plug here, but the, uh, the podcast is called tools for the toolbox. Um, we talk with other vets about the tools they use to manage their, um, to manage their day. So we, I've talked to guy double amputees about pain and just how they manage their pain. I've talked to guys about fitness, both mental and uh, physical. I've talked to, I got Dave Grossman on the show, which was awesome. And we talked about the, uh, the illusion of safety which I thought was super cool. I mean, and we just, I talked to vets about the issues that we deal with and the tools that they use to manage them. And go ahead and share with everyone. If you got it, the social media and website for that. Uh, I don't have a website for that yet. I'm working on that right now, but my personal Instagram is the best way to find it. And that is at master corporal Burles, So M C P L B U R L E S. Um, I'm also on Facebook chance Burles, uh, LinkedIn chance Burles, and Twitter again, I have it, don't use it much, but uh, at Mask Worlds. So what you're so, saying perfect. is they don't really have a chance to find you on Twitter. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I love it. Canadian and dad humor at the same time. Prime. And I'm love sure it. that's the first time he's heard that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So Chance, yeah. one of the things I want to uh, leave our listener to tonight is, it's, it's not something I learned uh, during the rock march uh, last week. It's something that came up and made me think a lot, right? 
Uh, and mm -hmm. I shared this actually during the closing ceremony of Let's Walk It Out 222 Mile Rock March. Uh, and this for all you guys out there who are struggling, who, you know, you can't seem to to find the end of the struggle and you don't know when it's going to end. Uh, I'm going to tell you it's going to end uh, because at one point we are we are already on the way back from Kamala June. So we're past. Actually, I want to say we were in day number seven, I believe it was. So we're about 180, 190 miles into the rock march already. Uh, started storming. Uh, we actually had tornadoes that, that went right behind us. Uh, the, the firefighters were telling us, dude, there's tornadoes right behind you guys. And we're like, uh, what? We're, we're miserable. Uh, the wind was coming literally sideways. My flag like was... Like artillery round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My flag was yeah. taking me sideways. I'm like, the last thing I'm looking is for tornadoes, right? So anyways, we were hurting. And then the temperature dropped, right? So then it stopped raining. So we stopped the, the first thing that our awesome medic that we, were, uh, that we were using at that time. And it's freaking amazing. Pat, he goes like, hey, guys. You need to change your clothes, change everything you got, get in the van, dry out, and uh, dry your feet. And they are going to redo all your moleskin, all your wrapping on your feet and all that stuff so you can finish. We only have three miles left to finish for the day. Three miles. That's all we had. And we were hurting because of that rain and almost getting hypothermia. I mean, we were sucking. And uh, so people started asking, hey, listen, uh, you only got three miles, but you already over your mileage anyway. So you got about five, six miles that you can play with if you want. And when you get done, you still make 222 miles plus, right? Mm -hmm. Or minimum 222. And uh, they're like, why you don't jump in the van? We'll go to the end uh, uh, of the route where food was waiting for us. And, uh, and we'll just eat and go home. And tomorrow you start over there again. And uh, we look, I look at Ryan and we went like, no, we're going to finish it. So, and the reason I'm telling the story, there's a point to it for our, for our listeners. The, so we went and we finished it. We were hurting. I'm telling you, we were hurting and we finished it. And then the next day, somebody asked again, hey, why did you guys do that when you had the chance to jump in the van? And this was my answer. I said, you know, we were tired. We were miserable. We were exhausted. We, we, we couldn't see the finish line coming anytime soon. But that's the same way that people that are suicidal feel. Exhausted, tired, they can't see the finish line. If I quit and I jump in that van, what can I expect from people who are suicidal? The reason we kept walking is because we wanted to show that you're miserable, you're tired, you're exhausted. But if you push through, eventually, eventually, not, 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 not today, not tomorrow, It's going to get better. For us, mm -hmm. it was it got better with the finish line and some delicious freaking pasta, right? <laughs> and some awesome food that we got. For you, it might be different. It might be that that financial stability. It might be, uh, uh, you know, you get to see your kids again. It might be whatever you're going through is going to get better. But if you quit, you will never get there. And that's the reason why we did it. Yeah, 100%. I I couldn't agree more that and it's everything that we, we learned in the military that that particular item, right? That is everything we learned. It's just keep going. Just keep going. If, eventually your body will either give out, right? You'll fall over and somebody will like medics will come and take you away. Uh, but 
we never thought about that. It wasn't the months down the road. It wasn't the the pain three weeks from now. It was today. I just need to make it to lunchtime. Cool. It's lunchtime. Okay. I just need to make it to dinner time. You know, I just need to make it to ra- I need to rack out so that I can be ready for the ruck in the morning. Okay. Now you're rucking and everything sucks and your body hurts. Okay. Well, I just need to make it through this ruck. And then whatever's next, and you just have to make it through that. And then whatever's next, and you just have to make it through that. And life is the same. Something I started saying when I was in ranger school was, you know, you know, you can't stop the clock. And I say it every time, you know, when things get really shitty, for lack of better terms, you know, it's like it's always going to get better, but you can't you can't stop the clock. It's going to end eventually. So when it's shitty, it's going to end eventually. It's going to turn over. Hundred percent. True. Yeah. But anyways, hey, Chance, we want to thank you for taking the time to come into our podcast. We really appreciate it. You make me laugh. And, uh, of course, now I know I'm not the other, the only one with a weird accent. <laughs> so that, that, that's a plus. My pleasure being here, brother. It is really my pleasure. I'm going to have to get you, both you, JP, and Mike on my podcast at some point. We can talk about your tools. Oh, but w- what tool are you talking about? <laughs> Whichever tool you want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am down. <laughs> I'm down. All right, brother. No, we really appreciate the chance. And for our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in to VTSR Veteran Transition Support Recon Show. And until next time, uh, remember, whatever you do, do not, do not cash out. Gmail. <laughs>